Nuclear. Now is it crick or creek? Coyote or coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. Okay, today's topic is maybe the most intriguing one I've ever seen, at least at least as you guys presented it to me. Today, the topic is the warmth of the athletic hamster. I can't wait. Tell me what's going on. <laughs> okay, actually, Fletcher, in a word, you just summed up the, the say that first word, I mean, the second word again. Warmth. Right. There was something in that statement that's called a penthesis. You added a sound in between the M and the TH. You added a very slight P sound. Ah, just like when I said hamster. Yes. Correct. <laughs> now, but but you didn't do it. Say athletic now. Athletic. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you didn't do it there. He did He did not do vowel apenthesis. He did consonant apenthesis. In a word, apenthesis basically means it's a linguistic term, and it means sort of chucking in a sound, either a vowel or a, 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 a consonant, in between letters or in between the sounds of a word where they're not normally there. In this case, you put a slight P sound between the M and the TH and a slight P sound between the M and the S in hamster. A vowel apenthesis would have been an A sound between the TH and the L, athletic instead of athletic. Okay. I think I hear that more uh, on like a word like triathlete, right? People tend to say triathlete or triathlon. Correct. Maybe that one's better, triathlon. Triathlon, yeah, instead of triathlon. Because apenthesis happens usually when it's the the combination of sounds isn't normal to our mouth or our ears. So you add, you don't usually have that athl, T-H-L, sound together so you add the vowel to make it more correct in your head or in your mouth it's a feel thing actually if you want to get really technical um if you want to dazzle someone with your knowledge fletcher you can say when you add the consonant the consonant uh is called excrescence and the addition of the vowel is this one i always have problems pronouncing now and, and i know i'm going to blow it is anaptixis yes <laughs> Which I have problems saying that there should be a penthesis in that somehow. But Kathy is right, though, about what she said. You're making it sound better in terms of our own language. And what actually is interesting is sometimes the sounds themselves kind of impel you to do that. Like with warmth, when you make that mm sound for the warm, ma, uh, your mouth is it's called a labial sound. You use your lips. The, the th sound, your tongue goes all the way to the top. And it's hard for us to sort of switch from a mouth mm, a lip sound to a th up sound. So what we do is we sh- chuck in instinctively, we chuck in that P sound, which is called a stop, to kind of like stop our mouth and then like reassess it and then go up again. So, I mean, it's sort, of like, it's sort of an interesting strategy in the mind. And interestingly enough, with the penthesis, and I just noticed this a couple of weeks ago, um, we were, Kath and I are writing a book on... Uh, which has a chapter on the bells, which uh, the uh, Alexander Graham Bell, and they were talking about sign language. And apparently sign language also has appendices. You, when you move your hands, there's like an intermediate space where there's like a appendices with your hands, literally. 
So appendicitis are like in everything. Yeah, yeah, it would make sense to be, um, especially with movements, because you can't get from one point to another without a movement in between, right? But I, I certainly hadn't mm-hmm. thought about hadn't thought about it in terms of the language, in terms of of sign language. That's really cool. Well, that's what they said. Now the problem is I don't know sign language, and Kath, you know sign language somewhat, don't you, or not? I knew when I was a little kid. It was like that's how we used to communicate in class. I mean, I'd be hard pressed now for anyone okay. to know what Because I'm scared we're going to get all these calls and people saying there's no. So no, I can't tell right. you anything about this. Thank you for putting me on the spot. <laughs> but I just remembered that they were talking about it. I presume it's. I mean, I presume those there were signed people, so I presume they know what they were talking about on that. So this seems like something that. It, our mouths or our brains do just because they're trying to coordinate these different sounds together. Does this extend to something like like the word wash instead of wash, or is that a separate issue? Excellent. No, it's the same thing. That's called an intrusive R. And, uh, yeah, idea, uh, garage. Uh, wash is a really good one. I mean, and that is, it's called intrusive because... Um, it's actually in the past it was considered vulgar to have that sound in you were like looked down as like you know how how uneducated but it's pretty common to do that um it's not considered standard in quotes i mean it's not like quote you know fabulous but it but it definitely happens it's the same thing it's it's also you hear there's other examples of um adding an extra we found an extra consonant at the end of a word what got me was um Ross and I found this and we never heard of it is adding an L at the end of like the word soul instead of saw and drawl instead of draw and that's apparently very common and this is a regional thing southern New Jersey Philadelphia and Bristol uh, England they put an L on any words ending with a vowel which I'd never heard of in my life but apparently this is very well known Kathy and I both come from New Jersey and um I went to Philadelphia frequently, and also in South Jersey, and I don't think I've ever heard it. Have you, Kathy? In- I never had. No, that's why when I saw it, I was surprised. I certainly heard idea. Remember Uncle Jim always said idea and draw. Oh, yeah. that I, The intrusive R I've always heard. I've heard that a lot. The intrusive L I haven't. But, I mean, we checked it, and this is, I mean, this seems to be a definite sort of trend. I would never say I saw it. I don't, I don't think I've ever heard that. But it sounds natural when you think no, about it. No, I think it's a slight sound. But Southern New Jersey, no, I'm thinking. I never heard it in my life. Now that you say it, wow, now that you say it out loud, I'm remembering hearing uh, kids in my elementary school say things like soul. I saw it. Wow. I never thought, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is just coming back to me. <laughs> just like right now, I this is coming Fletcher back to me. I just exploded. Yeah. Well, I mean, they weren't from New Jersey or anything either. Uh, I mean, I couldn't, uh, I'm not going to call anybody out by name, but I know for sure that it happened. Uh, and I'm sure all my elementary school friends are listening to this podcast right now. So I don't want to embarrass anybody, but, <laughs> but yeah, wow. That's, that's crazy that I, I haven't thought about that till this moment. The one thing I have heard though yeah. in Jersey a lot, um, and it's a little bit, it's a little bit moving a little bit of a side, but is the ST sound becoming a, sort of like a, an int, uh, intrusive H in between the S and the T, street? I hear that all the time now. Do you guys hear that a lot or not? Crossing the street? Street instead no. of street. No. So you're saying the diagraph st is st? Yeah. No, I don't think I've street, no. I hear that a lot. Maybe it's a Toronto thing. I've heard it up here a fair amount. I don't know. That's an interesting one, too. Okay. You're exaggerating it a little bit, but but again, now that I think about that, I do hear people say street street. It's it's not it's not as extreme as you're saying. It's not it's not so much street, but but it is street rather rather than street. Okay, now 
this interests me though, because I have heard my husband is one of them, and I I, I think it's some a semi West Coast thing. I hear like when people talk about social security, this is I hear social slight very slightly. It's a slight sh instead of a. S there's the addition of an H. Think about it when you listen to the news. I hear it show like people on the street talk about social security. Now I can't even sort about that. Getting back to the R, the intrusive R we were talking about. Is that is something I do? Um, a lot of people do that R when they try to uh, say a French word. Um, and Ross pronounced the word um, macabre. Macabre. Oh, you say macabre? I say macabre. I, I, I have a very bad pronunciation in French. I've been told that by French people. But I would say macabre in French. Yeah, see, that's you're doing the French R. How would you say it, um, Fletcher? M A C A B R E. I would the way Ross did with that tiny little sound there at the end. Yeah. Macabre. Yeah. Yeah. See, now as as a, as a, the great unwashed American here, I apenthesize it and say macabre. I yeah. do. Or macabre. I, I I go either way. I either to, to totally like drop the R E or I or I E R it. But I think in English, I would probably. I mean, if I were speaking, that's a really macabre. I don't know what I, I'm trying to think what I would say if I were speaking that movie. Boy, that movie was really macabre. I think I'd say it was really scary. Is what I would say. Yeah. Yeah, that that's that's the answer. <laughs> I if if I said it and I were speaking yeah, I wasn't speaking French in any way, I would just drop the R. It's macabre. Yeah, I think we naturally do. Yeah. That. And again, that's the whole point with the penthesis. We're trying to net we're trying to make sounds a little more natural to our own language is all we're doing. But speaking of which, I want to throw something out that I, I was just talking to my wife this morning. And we were talking about um, a penthesis with uh, a Latin word, uh, humilis, you know, uh, with humili you know, the, in Latin it means humble. And humilis and humble, humble is the, um, has an epenthesis, the B in it. And it, humilis, beca humilis became humble in, in English from the Latin. But then what was interesting when we started thinking about it was there's also another word related with the same background that doesn't have the B, humiliate. And they have two different meanings now. One is like I was humbled when I met that great man, Martin Luther King. And the other would be I was humiliated when I met that great man, Martin Luther King. And in this case, the mm -hmm. epenthesis has changed the meaning of the word. One has a definite meaning of of uh it's a pejorative meaning the other has like a meaning of oh i was awestruck which i thought was interesting well that's the key with the penthesis we find i mean we've been talking a lot about ones that we use currently in regular language that you know and, and that aren't technically there but but we're hearing it there we add them but a lot of words that we currently use in language are are here from a penthesis um what was the one you were talking about the other day ross uh, thunder the english thunder what did it come from? It come from Thuner or Thunrian, without the D, the Old English. The problem there is that it's an awkward transition. Thunder is much harder to say than thunder. It's naturaler. It's more natural to add that that D sound in between the N and the U. Uh. Thimble, the same thing. It used to be thimble, and they added the B mm, in there. Messenger, I know. It was. It used to be messenger rather than messenger. Right. And interestingly enough, there's a huge debate in linguistics that I don't believe it's settled, is how quickly did these appendices occur in the language? Were they like a gradual thing? People began saying thunder, 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 and it gradually went, or was it sudden? And 
I mean, I have no idea. I cannot answer that. But apparently, I mean, there, there are a great number of words that have been, I, I hate to use the word apenthesized because it's not a really good word. and It's not even real, I don't think. But have been. And the question is, how long did this take? And the other thing I want to do say is that epenthesis occurs in many, many languages. It's, I happen to have heard it a lot oh, of course, in Arabic. Yeah. In Arabic, it was, um, there were like a lot of vowel epenthesis, like bint in Arabic is girl. A lot of people would say binit in, in Levantine Arabic. So it's all over the place. Let's go all the way back to the word warmth. Why is it spelled the way it is? And why is that? Why don't we have a, a P there? Why the P wasn't in there? There's a, a lot of um, kind of capriciousness with language. We were talking earlier about humble and the B got in there with humble. And in this case, the P didn't get in there with the uh, warmth. I can't answer definitively why one and why not the other. I do think, though, with the um, transition between the M and the TH, it's not as evident as thunder or um, humble. Both of the, in this case, when you do the transition from the two consonants and you put the B in and, or the D in, it's very easy when we just say it. It comes out stronger. Warmth is hard to say. Yeah, the 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 P the P is pretty subtle. It's it's a little stronger on hamster. Yes. I was just gonna say hamster. You really can hear it because. Well, fascinating me with him. You remember back um, at the early days of the internet when the hamster dance was all over the place online? I don't know if you do. That was a oh, big yeah. thing. And I can't tell you how, I mean, it was spelled hamster on the hamster dance, the original thing. And, and from that, you kept seeing, or I kept seeing, hamster misspelled. And I still do. It's still really commonly done. And I think it's because you hear the P in hamster. I mean, you don't say hamster like hamper, but but there is. Whereas warmth, it's a very subtle. It's it's my mouth when I think about it, I feel it making the pee, but I'm not really. It's it's a hint of a pee. I'm gonna also throw out something there too. The pee is what's called a stop, and your mouth does not blow air out. It stops when it says pee for a second, and then it comes out, the air. And with warmth, we have like basically the it stops and then we have a th sound. There's not like another longish syllable. With hamster, we can stop and say basically in our heads we go hamp and then we have stir. And it's, so therefore it's easier, I think, for our mouths to go hamster, but it's harder for our mouths to go warmth. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Now I'm curious, speaking of teas, I'm gonna go a little a little tangential. Two, I'm gonna ask you guys to both pronounce two words. M-I-N-C-E and M-I-N-T-S. Ah, okay. Let's ask Fletcher to do it because I know the answer. So. Okay, Fletcher? Well, well, now you've made me think about it, so I guess I don't know what I would say <laughs> if I were just reading it off a page and, you know, hadn't paid any attention to it. But M-I-N-C-E is mince and M-I-N-T-S is mince. Very good. So you, you, you make the distinction. Uh, I mean, when, when you make me think about it, yeah, I, I don't know if I were just you know, I, I want to mince pie or mince meat, get me some whatever. I don't know if I, w I don't know what, it, if there would be that much of a distinction. But yeah, I mean, there is a subtle difference. Yeah, I actually, when I'm thinking about it now, when Kathy asked that question, to be really honest, I think I do have an empathetic tea. Prince Charming, Prince Charming. I made a print of Prince Charming. I, I think I would say 
a slight empathetic tea in there. There are many prints of Prince Charming. Yeah, I do. I totally do. A print. Where are the prints of the prince? Yeah, I ser- I seriously doubt if I were just speaking extemporaneously that anybody would tell be able to tell the difference between those those two sounds from my mouth. Yeah. Which goes back to the whole thing that a lot of empathetic sounds are very subtle. They're not necessarily like thunder where we know there's something in there. And a lot of them, therefore, are not written down for that reason. There's also the terminal empathetic word, like with, which we were talking about earlier. Do you remember like against? Against used to, it used to have a non-T ending. That's a stronger empathetic ending, though. Wait, so so the word used to be like against? Yes. That's hard. It is. No wonder that T showed up. Well, all of those, wasn't it like midst and amidst was another one, right? Betwixt, behest. Yeah. Yeah, that's what the I was... The one that gets me is ancient. Oh, because, because uh, ancient, ancient, ancien. Oh, yeah. yeah, think of it in French. Exactly, Fletcher. Yeah. yeah. It didn't, it had, a, it did not have that ending. And again, we keep going back to the major point. It, uh, Apenthesis makes the sounds easier for us to, to speak in our own language. And then we think about vowel Apenthesis, Japanese is filled with it. I had a Japanese friend, and they would he, he would transliterate, uh, you know, things in English. And they always put vowels at the end of everything, because it sounds better to a Japanese speaker. And that's basically the well. Then you've also the got the, the 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 fake Italian, like you know, when people do the the horrible fake Italian accents, like like the what what are you talking? I can't do one. Yeah. I can't think of a sentence with a fake Italian accent. But that's the same sort of thing. That it's the valapensis there, uh, 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 there because of that, their language and the ability to to convert it to, into an English, you know, to their ear, if you will. Mm-hmm. No, what the one that got me just recently was I just saw it again was um, spindle in English. In old English, it used to be spinel, and that sounds funny. Spinal, spinel. Oh, we can say spinal tap. This is spindle tap, you wouldn't say. Whatever, no. <laughs> it does make a lot of sense, though, as you mentioned, with the two syllables on, like, hamster or spindle, where you need that little stop to, to feel you know, to feel right as you're moving into the second syllable. It makes me think, I don't think this is apenthesis, but it makes me think of the word longer uh, instead of longer. Hmm. Do you know? Do you know? You need that. You need that. That hard G sound to feel like you've had that stop there to move into the the er. I mean, we don't say longer. No, even we though don't. I, I, I guess I don't know why we. Couldn't. Yeah, even when you're being sloppy. Right. I want to throw something up before we get we lose it though. We were talking about a uh, valapenthesis and the uh, like. Kathy was mentioning the Italian, and one thing um, is in real in life I and mean, in regular language. In French and in Spanish and in Portuguese, there is a lot of uh, valapenthesis in the beginning of a word. Like scola in Latin is um, school, but then in French it became école. And it's escuela in Spanish. Exactly. But in some senses, that also um, is, a, is sort of a valapenthesis that occurs in other languages frequently. Kind of the equivalent of our athlete or whatever, adding an A on this case they put it at the beginning. But what gets me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back for a second too, is the the whole concept of we were saying some words did end up getting spelled the way they were pronounced, and other words did not. I mean warmth does not have a P, hamster does not have a P. But what you are still seeing the changes. We go back to change and, and I'm thinking immediately of mischievous slash mischievous which a mischievous is incorrect, and that's that's valapenthesis. But I am seeing more and more examples of it being spelled incorrectly now, and I wonder if that, like, hamster over time will, will become the thing. 
And we don't know. I mean, they're probably having, you know, long after we're dead, but who knows? Although, again, we go back to the thing. Do, do these things occur quickly or do they occur or do they occur over centuries? We don't know. It could be in a matter of years. It, it, in a matter of a few years, it could become hamster. One problem, though, now we have is we have fossilized spelling. I mean, we have the Internet. We have things always spelled and such so that probably it'll take longer than we think. Well, we also have the internet where things happen very quickly, so it may happen more quickly <laughs> than we think. That's a good guess, too, Fletcher. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to add something that actually is an embarrassing moment in Kathy's and my lives with Epenthesis. I just thought of this as well. Restaurant, the word, comes from restaurer oh, yeah. to refresh, the old French restaurer. And in English, it's spelled restaurant with an N-T. Now, with the apenthesis of the N in there, not, and not really, actually, it technically isn't an apenthesis. I just realized that it comes from another aspect. But years ago, Kathy and I were talking to an editor, and he praised us. For, remember that, Catherine? He praised us for... Mm -hmm. For knowing that it was restaurateur, not restaurateur, <laughs> which we did not know. Oh, yeah. And we had just misspelled, or so we thought, by not including an N. <laughs> I know. So we immediately leaped on that horse and said, oh, yeah. Of course we knew <laughs> oh, that. Oh, no one knows that, do they? Oh, oh. Looking at each other like, oh, good God. <laughs> we dodged that one. <laughs> Happy accident. So we always remember by saying, let's put the rat back in restaurateur. <laughs> that we remembered it. <laughs> well, speaking of rats, I'm slightly disappointed that we didn't talk about an actual literal athletic hamster during this episode, but uh, we'll, we'll save that for a future one. This episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod or email me at Powell at KMUW.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or even a review at Apple Podcasts. The book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press. You can find that at your local independent bookstore. Order online if you have to. Also, be sure to check out Kathy and Ross's most recent book, Awkward Moments. That's word, like what we're talking about, awkward, W-O-R-D. Awkward Moments, a lively guide to the 100 terms smart people should know. And, of course, Kathy and Ross have written a lot more. They're always up to something. You can check out their other work through their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S dot com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs>